Let There Be Light. From Flashbangs and Frag Grenades. By Calchexis. Read by Sam Gabriel. Based on League of Legends by Riot Games. Chapter 3. Wife. Caitlin was barely keeping her temper. Even in her loose linen shirt, slacks, and simple jacket, she still broke out into a sweat as she stepped into the sweltering heat of the Talus Forge Works private smithing chamber and snarled, Explain yourself! Jace Talus paused mid-hammerfall, sighed, then lowered his hand as he straightened and turned to face Caitlin. Because he had initially gotten his start under the patronage of House Kiriman, the pair of them had practically become siblings. They had grown up side by side, both determined to do their best for the sake of their city. Caitlin had never imagined Jace would go into politics. He had always been so much more comfortable in the forges, creating things. Not for the first time, she found herself wishing he had stayed there. "'What do you want me to say, Kate?' Jace asked, without turning around. Sweat dripped down his broad back, which was typically held square and proud. Now it buckled and his head was hung low. I want to know why I, the sheriff of Piltover, am learning about this genocidal edict from the fucking newspaper! Jace winced, then sighed again and turned to face her. The council outvoted me. I know how the bloody council works! My mother was on it for the entirety of my childhood and beyond! Caitlin snapped. I want to know why you! kept me in the dark. He looked around cautiously, then nodded for Caitlin to follow him deeper into the forge. Her incandescent rage cooled slightly at his odd show of vigilance, and she followed him towards the smelter. Once there, he reached for a device on his desk, a small orb of unadorned brass standing on three legs, and tapped the blue activation rune on top of it, and a dull hum filled the air that was almost drowned out by the sounds of the forge around them. Sorry, I'm getting paranoid in my old age, I think, Jace replied quietly. You're barely forty, Caitlin replied acidly. Camille Ferros has been in contact with me a number of times, he continued as if Caitlin hadn't spoken, and she stood up straighter at that name. Not a cat's paw or a proxy, but Camille herself. She never said as much— but I recognize a tacit threat when I see one. I suspect she has me under surveillance because she knows that I'm against her tactics. So you neatly hucked me under the tracks, is that it? Caitlin asked. Jace grit his teeth, then bit out the words, I am trying to protect you as much as I can, all right? He looked up at her, and the anguish in his eyes killed what little anger she had left. This isn't how this was supposed to go, Kate. This isn't progress. We're supposed to be better than them, not worse. Do you think I wanted this? Blowing out a heavy breath, Caitlin crossed her arms and shook her head as she said, No, I don't, but... After that absolute debacle in Demacia, she had us all fooled, Chase said. Luxana came with a flawless track record and a perfect facade. She'd met half the council face to face. Even Mel met her once. And even she couldn't see past the lies. I just don't understand it, Caitlin replied. It was a madness of the most virulent sort. 
The Lux that Caitlin had grown to know was someone she had deeply admired. A woman who was devoted to her country and whose loyalty had seemingly never wavered. Everything about her, it seemed like a full and complete picture. Not of a perfect person, but of a good person, at the very least. Of someone who could be trusted. Many were the nights when she woke up in a cold sweat with the image of those blue eyes and that twisted, asymmetrical smile burned into her mind. What kind of person could do that? What kind of person could function with that kind of insanity lurking beneath their smile? It had made it difficult to even return to her job. Not because she hadn't been wanted, but because Caitlin was no longer sure that she trusted herself. For the first time, she was almost glad that the enforcers had been so neatly swallowed up into the brass cadres. If that weren't the case, if she were still the head of Piltover's system of justice, she would have resigned on the spot. She was still tempted to do so if she were being honest. Every day she woke up asking herself if that was the day that she turned in her badge and gave up. Vi was the only reason she hadn't. Vi was her reason for everything now. As impossible as it felt, her wife still trusted her judgment. Whatever the case with my own demons, this edict is monstrous, Caitlin said grimly. I know, Chase replied. But there was nothing I could do. They wanted leverage against Zahn and Piltover as a trade city. Our markets are our leverage. He stepped back from her and carded a hand through his brown hair, leaving it boyishly messy. Mel and I haven't been seeing eye to eye either anymore. I don't know if it's genuine disagreement or if Camille's gotten to her. Maybe it's both. Boy, take all of them, Jace! This is wrong! Caitlin spat. And what do you want me to do about it? He said. Resign from the council? Give up the one voice of dissent and let Ferris puppet it all freely? No, no. Caitlin sighed and massaged the bridge of her nose. Believe me, I've thought about it, Chase said wanly. Grim as it was, hearing that she wasn't the only person thinking about just saying sod it to her entire career and fucking off to an Ionian rice paddy on her father's ancestral land did help a little. Are we really this helpless? Caitlin asked, looking up at him. Jay shrugged, and for a moment he looked like the young man that she remembered him as. Brilliant, headstrong, but deeply compassionate for all of that. Time had tarnished that luster a bit, and both politics and loss had made him a harder man. But that kindness was still in there for all that. What about protests? Caitlin ventured. Surely the people can't... Preliminary poll numbers put the edict at a clean 70% approval rating, and that's conservative, Chase said. The people are angry, Kate. They're angry and they're confused and they're scared. He waved off her expression of disbelief. I know, believe me, but... Jinx gave Piltover a black eye and a bloodied nose and danced away without a scratch. And Lux's betrayal left us all looking like incompetent idiots. They want action, and they want vengeance. Vengeance isn't justice, Chase, Caitlin said softly. They don't care anymore, he replied. I want Jinx and Lux taken in. Dead or alive, just as much as anyone, but we are talking about dragging an entire city into this, Caitlin said. 
Those are wise people, Chase. How am I supposed to look my wife in the face after today? Chase slumped into his desk stool as Caitlin hugged herself and tried not to let the tears that were burning at the backs of her eyes show themselves. The shame in her gut and her heart was almost too much to bear. Vi had read the headline first and the article as well. She had been the one to bring it to Caitlin, and she had been so quiet when she'd done it. All Caitlin could think of after reading it was whether or not this was it. Was this the moment when Vi realized that marrying her had been a mistake? That coming topside had been a mistake? Had she been right after all, all those years ago? Were Piltover and Zahn really just oil and water? And had they just been pretending all this time, living in a dream world that could, in the end, only last so long before reality came crashing down on their heads to remind them that it could never truly be? I know Vi pledged to fight for Piltover, but... Chase paused, seeming to chew on his words for a moment, and Caitlin looked up at him. Finally, he said, If she sides with... That is to say, if she goes back to her roots and... And you follow her. I won't say anything. Chase looked up at her wearily. I wouldn't blame you. The worst part is that... I can't even assure you that won't happen, Caitlin replied. And if she does leave, I don't know that she'd want me to follow. Chase snorted out a dry laugh. That's horseshit, he said as he stood and put one broad hand on her shoulder. Caitlin Kiriman, you are a fool of a woman if you really think that Vi would ever turn her back on you. I don't think I've ever seen someone so completely in love with their wife since your father. That did it. All the fear and regret and anger came boiling out in the form of tears as Caitlin stepped forward, pressed her face against Jace's chest, gripped his shoulders, and started to bawl. He wasn't just crying. It wasn't weeping or wailing or the gnashing of teeth. It was the fat, hot, and heavy tears cried by someone who has simply had too much. Jace held her and thankfully stayed quiet as she sobbed out her dignity in front of him. Other than Vi, Jace was the only family she had left in Piltover. Her father was gone, her mother's line all but extinguished, save for some distant relatives a few times removed that she'd never even met. House Kiriman had never been a populous house like Sallow or Haskell or even Shula. She was an only child and Jace was the closest thing to a big brother she had ever or would ever have. I don't want to lose her, Caitlin cried. I love her so much. I can't lose her. I don't think I'll survive it. I know, Jace murmured, patting her back. I know, but we'll figure this out. We just have to get our priorities straight and... and do what must be done. Caitlin grimaced as she pulled back. 
wiping tears from her face along with sweat that she'd inadvertently gotten on herself from Jay's. Once upon a time, she'd have said that she had no idea what women found appealing about sweaty men. That changed the first time she'd seen Vi pushing herself through her prison workout routine and realized that it was really only the men part of that equation that actually bothered her. Gods, I'm a mess. Caitlin muttered as she took in several shaky breaths. I'm just... I'm sorry I yelled at you, but I was so angry and... I deserved it, Chase said, patting her shoulder again. I think I lost myself somewhere along the line in all the hex tech and politics and after everything with, with Victor. He sighed and shook his head. It shouldn't have taken something like this to remind me that all of this was because I had wanted to do good. I think we both did, Caitlin said quietly. You succeeded far more so than me, Chase retorted. Caitlin gave a weak chuckle, then said, Thank you for talking to me, even when I was shouting. I still hate this bloody edict, but maybe it's not too late to do good. I hope not, Chase said. Colton aspects help us if it is, Caitlin replied. Caitlin took a cab back to her home, but barely noticed the ride as she sat in quiet contemplation of her talk with Jace. Being one of the most prominent members of the council didn't matter if he was outvoted at every turn, and it seemed obvious to Caitlin that Camille Ferris had a hand in that. That vile woman was going behind the scenes, quietly upending the parts of the Piltoven system that didn't serve her purposes, while carefully cultivating the parts that did. That, maybe more than anything, terrified Caitlin to her core, and this was not the way of progress. This was the path of tyranny and autocracy. She feared that, soon, the Council would be little more than a figurehead for parroting more nationalistic narratives that had little to do with reality and more to do with her irrational hatred of Zahn. It wasn't that Caitlin didn't understand, in theory, that Piltover had to answer for the Cambaron's questionable choices. Jinx had to answer for what she had done. Luxana, too. Both of them had committed crimes of terrible stature, and that could not be ignored, but at the same time there was no justice in dragging hundreds of thousands of people into a vengeful crusade. This was a nightmare scenario made even worse by the fact that everyone else seemed to want it to happen. They really had no idea what kind of bloodshed was coming, and by the time it arrived, they'd be too deep in it to get away. Once war came knocking, it would be too late. The cab came to a gliding stop outside of House Kiriman's gates, and Caitlin thanked the driver, paid his fare, then stepped out into the dull sunlight that had lately seemed less warm than it once had. She did not rush to the door, but took her time. The approach to the mansion itself was lined with flowers and gardens that were tented with great care. Piltover was a city of metal and glass. But her father had come from Ionia, a place where nature was revered, and he had kept such wonderful gardens in her childhood. It felt wrong to let them go to pot now. She stopped at the door to gather her nerve, 
Vi had signed up to protect people and to try and improve the lives of the common Zonite. She hadn't signed up to participate in the genocide of her own people. This was going to be an ugly conversation. Pushing open the door, Caitlin stepped inside and said, I'm home. In here. Vi's voice sounded oddly strained. And Caitlin followed it to the west parlor, then stopped, as her breath caught in her chest. Vi was seated on the couch where she usually sat, but she wasn't alone. Across from her in one of the chairs, sipping a cup of tea, was a fairly young woman with neatly cut red hair. She wore a starched and pressed uniform that Caitlin vaguely recognized as being the one chosen for the cadres, and she looked up the moment that Caitlin stepped inside and smiled faintly over the rim of her teacup. "'Good afternoon, Sheriff,' rang Gleamspire said brightly. "'I'm sorry to intrude, but I came to deliver some news and found you out of the house. Your wife was kind enough to let me wait.' Caitlin glanced at Vi, who met her gaze, and a conversation's worth of concern passed between them. This couldn't possibly be a good thing, but it had to be dealt with. Of course, Caitlin said after a moment. I apologize for making you wait. I hadn't realized you could be calling today. No apologies, please. It was entirely unannounced, Ren replied. Nodding, Caitlin walked over to the couch and sat beside Vi. What can I do for you, then? Caitlin glanced over the pips on her breast pocket. Warrant officer? And congratulations on the promotion. Thank you, Ren said, still smiling. And please, it's just Ren. I'm sure you must assume that I have some kind of grudge against you, but I assure you it's quite the opposite. I actually came to give you some news before the announcement became official. Oh? Caitlin kept her voice steady. Yeah? Vi added as she leaned forward, bracing her elbows on her knees. What's that? Ren reached into her military jacket, which looked as if it would bend at right angles if you tried to fold it, pulled out a thin folder and passed it to them. Vi took it and flicked it open before pulling out the papers, and Caitlin leaned in to scan the pages alongside her. Pursuant to the reforms of Piltover's law enforcement system and the unfolding of the whole of law as an element of the brass cadres, the enforcers shall now act as... Caitlin narrowed her eyes and reread the following part, certain she must be seeing things. As military police? I don't get it, Vi said, looking up at Caitlin. What's the difference between that and what we're already doing? The difference, Ren replied, is mostly an organizational one, actually. Each cadre will be assigned a unit of MPs that will act as law enforcement both within the cadre itself and as domestic law enforcement for Piltover as a whole. Caitlin lowered the paper as she put the pieces together, then sighed and said, They're practically dissolving the enforcers completely, aren't they? As a concept, we'll still be around, but as a cohesive whole, we're being fragmented across all, what is it? Twenty cadres now? Twenty by the end of Markaria, God's willing, Ren said cheerfully. Isn't this wonderful, though? You're being appointed Commandant of the Military Police, and I hear they're promoting you to Brigadier within the Contras, but don't tell them I told you. I think they want it to be a surprise. Right, of course, Caitlin said, forcing a smile. Thank you, Ren. I truly appreciate this. I can't wait to work with you, Sheriff. Sorry. She straightened and snapped a smart salute. Brigadier Kerman. Caitlin straightened as well and nodded. Of course, I'm 
The feeling is mutual, Officer Grimspar. Setting her now empty teacup aside, Ren stood, brushed her implacable trousers flat, gave another salute, then turned, offered a bow to Vi, and said, I'm afraid I have to be going. I have a lot of work ahead of me, but I look forward to seeing you in high command once all this politicking is out of the way and the war can finally begin. You should never wish for war, Caitlin said, standing with her. It's an awful thing. I know, but in this case, it's inevitable, Ren replied pointedly. Best we just get used to it, I think. Have a good day, Brigadier. Thankfully, Vi waited until Ren had seen herself out and was well down the path before blurting out, What a snot-nosed shithead. It wasn't enough to fold the enforcers into the cadres and bring us under military jurisdiction. Now they're tearing us into bite-sized chunks. It was a painfully obvious ploy. With the old guard of the enforcers spread thin among all the cadres, it would preserve the presence and recognizable lineage of the establishment while neatly preventing Caitlin from gathering any focused resistance to the new regime. Worse was that her people would be isolated and forced to either conform to the new doctrines or remain pariahs everywhere but their own small units. Time and social pressure would wear down all but the most stolid of veterans, and that wasn't even counting those within her organization that supported the calls to war. So that's it, huh? Vi asked hollowly. We just sit back and watch them starve Zahn to death? I highly doubt the Kembarans are going to take this lying down, Kitna replied. Vi grit her teeth. But what can they do without food? She said more than asked. It ain't like they got farms down there. You can't eat knives or chems. I ain't seen an answer to this that'll do more than help those sleazy barons survive the fallout. Jinx is one of those barons now, remember? Caitlin said darkly. Fuck yeah, don't remind me. I replied. I don't even know what that's supposed to mean other than that we both grew up to become the things we hated, you know? I join the Enforcers and my baby sis becomes a chem baron. Ma must be spitting in her grave. Caitlin put an arm around Vi's shoulder and pulled her close, and her wife curled up against her. Closing her eyes, Caitlin rested her head against Vi's, and for a long moment, they sat in silence while the light of the dying day fell across them through the bay windows of the parlor. When Caitlin did speak, it was soft and raspy. I'm sorry, Vi, she said. I promised you that we would change things from up here, but it wasn't your fault, Cupcake. Vi replied. And you did your best, so did I. Sometimes shit just doesn't work out. The system's too broken to fix now. And Ren might be a mouthy little shit, but she's right about one thing. War's coming. It might not have to, Caitlin said quietly. Vi looked up from her shoulder, eyeing her quizzically for a moment before saying, I'm listening. The whole point of this edict is to weaken Zorn, Caitlin said, sitting up and steepling her fingers in front of her face. The Council and Camille both know that neither Zorn nor Piltover is ready for a stand-up fight. Piltover's military is too new and Zorn is too fractured to launch an attack. Vi nodded as she sat up with Caitlin. Had ain't been united under one baron since Silco, thankfully. And all the other chem barons hate each other. That's going to change, though, Caitlin replied. Jinx isn't just a terrorist, she's the prodigal daughter. 
the heir apparent to Silco's throne. Everyone knows her name and her father's name, and they know how dangerous she is. You really think my little sister could unite the barons? Vi asked. With Renata Glask behind her, absolutely. Shit. Now that's good, Caitlin said, drawing a strange look from Vi. Piltover's council is made up of cowards. They don't want a war. They want a massacre that they can call a war. Vi grimaced and said, They don't want a fight. They want to win. Exactly. That's why they're playing for time. Caitlin stood and began pacing as she said, They want a zone that's pre-chewed because they're not confident they can win without a handicap. So if you take away the handicap, then, then maybe... Standing with her, Vi reached out and stopped Caitlin's pacing, gripping her shoulder tight as she stared in disbelief at the words that were coming out of Caitlin's mouth. That was fair. Caitlin herself could hardly believe she was saying them. You saying what I think you're saying, Cupcake? Vi asked. I don't know, Caitlin admitted. But we can't let this... She looked up at her wife and said, This is wrong, Vi. This isn't about Jinx or that lying jackal Lux. This is about all the normal people. My people, Vi said, not yours. Caitlin smiled wanly as she faced Vi, put a hand on her cheek and said, You're my wife, Vi. That makes them my people. Vi stared at her for a long moment before melting against her, then reaching up threading her fingers through Caitlin's hair and pulling her down into a warm kiss. Caitlin pressed against her wife, desperate for that offered affection. Maybe there was still hope. Hope to prevent this mindless war. As they parted, Caitlin asked, Do you think Echo still checks that old dead drop we used to use? I don't know, Vi replied with a wry smirk. But I guess we're going to find out. The text of this story is available on AO3. Music by Dot Matrix. If you would like me to record a story, voice over a character, get in touch using the contact information available on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as a link to my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>